0: Welcome to the Built On Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. In each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern and join our active community at BuiltOnAir.com. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, On2Air Backups. On2air Backups provides automated Airtable Backups to your cloud storage for secure and reliable data protection. Prevent data loss and set up a secure Airtable Backup system with OntoAir Backups at OntoAir.com. As one customer, Sarah said, Having automated Airtable Backups has freed up hours of my time every other week. And the fear of losing anything. Longtime customer David states, OntoAir backups might be the most critical piece of the puzzle to guard against unforeseeable disaster. It's easy to set up, and it just works. Join Sarah, David, and hundreds more Airtable users like you to protect your Airtable data with OntoAir backups. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at ontoair.com. And now, let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air.
1: Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast. We are in season seventeen, episode two. Good to be with you this morning. We've got a full house with us. We've got Camille, as always. Welcome back, Camille, and Ali. Ali's been gone for a few months. What have you yeah. been up to in the last month or two?
2: Well, I had a baby. So we
1: had a baby.
2: Hanging out with my little little boy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So at some point Blake will give a give a sneak peek uh, <clears throat> a cameo on the show.
3: Where's his segment? Yeah, Ooh. right.
1: That's right. <laughs> you learn an airtable already, right?
2: Exactly. You got to start them early.
1: <laughs> Very good. Well, good to have you back, Ali. And we have special guests with us, Mike. Mike, good to have you on. Hello. Welcome from Poland. Good to have you visiting. We'll learn more about Mike and his story and. Uh, Later in the show. So, I'll walk you through what we're, what we're going to be doing today. We will, as always, start with our round the bases, keep you up to date with what's going on in the communities and news, then, a spotlight on our sponsor, Onto Air and our backup solution. Then, Mike uh, San Marzano will, uh, Ali will interview him, we'll get to know his story and background. Then, he will showcase his application called ArrowPage. You've likely heard of it and then uh, shout out to join our community. And then finally, Camille will walk us through e-signatures and quoting and getting signatures for, for that. Um, so with that, around the bases, first, I'll revisit the What's New page. We talked about this last week, some of the new updates. They snuck in a new one after Tuesday, uh, this top one. They say it's from December, but this got posted uh, in January. So I just wanted to spotlight this. If you're an enterprise customer, they now have an admin, a UI to look at the logs. So you can actually see the logs instead of, before you had to download all the CSV files, open them in Excel or something and, and look at them. Now you can actually uh, look through them, through the the admin UI if you're an enterprise client. So. That's a new feature that got snuck in last week, at least as far as being announced. Next one. um, This was on the post. I I saw this in multiple communities, but yesterday it looks like there were some major, major outages, I don't know, if or slowness. Some people were saying it was taking like 30 minutes to automation for automations to run. Anybody experienced that?
2: I did yesterday. It was like, A very simple automation that was just updating a record with like a super simple like text and didn't run it just kept saying in progress and then I tried triggering it again and that one ran like immediately while the first one was still in progress and I tried to shut it off and turn it back on but then it got stuck in this like in-between state where I couldn't do anything it was like it said on but it was grayed out and it was really weird like I had I tried like shift reloading my browser. It still was all weird. Um, So I don't know what was happening there.
1: Did it work itself out?
2: It did, but then it wasn't even triggering. It was just being very odd. I had never seen that behavior. Um, Kind of ironic. It was my first day back at work since (laughs) I was like, what's happening?
1: (laughs) Good timing. Yeah. (laughs) yeah i didn't i didn't see anybody respond if it was i didn't see a response from Airtable. um it didn't show i don't think it showed up on their their monitoring i get notified when there's yeah so they didn't they didn't flag it or anything
2: not that i saw but i saw people posting about it in slack on facebook yeah in the community forum yeah everywhere
1: so hopefully i I I I'm not seeing anything today. So hopefully it's it's back up and normal. Mm-hmm. So if you experienced that, you weren't alone. <clears throat> All right, next one from the built-on air community. Last week, Airtable decided to add a friend to everybody's product. <laughs> you likely saw this person. Um and it was like blocking functionality, there's like a button behind it that you couldn't get to. So people were not happy about this. I believe they they did remove it right after some pushback.
2: I think so.
3: Yes. Yeah, I think the criticism we're seeing in the, the comments of this thread right here is that um, the most recent shift in pricing structure for Airtable meant that uh, lower plans, including Pro uh, don't, which is now called Teams, the Teams plan um, doesn't include support anymore. And yet, this thing is like, was seen in uh, Teams level bases. And so it was very, are you going to support us or not? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. And in addition to that, I mean, some of us may remember Clippy from Microsoft Word, who was also in the lower right hand corner. Um, so it's just. Not if if I needed help, there is a very helpful help button um that I think should be the trigger for this showing up. It doesn't necessarily need to float there a hundred percent of the time.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this was a pure AI bot, so there there was no human response. So it's purely AI help.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of the times your answer can be found in Airtable's documentation. And if it can search the forums, there's a good chance that either myself or Ali or Scott or Kavan have answered your question already. It's been many years. It's, there's a chance, uh, but there's, there's something to be said for like, sometimes Airtable releases new features and, none of us have answered those questions yet and sometimes the documentation's unclear so having a human interaction would be very useful in those cases and again i am displeased with teams not having access to customer support in the way that they used to
1: yeah yeah that that still does not make sense so yeah so if you're if you're not seeing this i think they did pull it back that probably means they'll make some tweaks and and bring it back at some point. Somebody put a lot of effort to put a UI or an AI bot on top of all their their help content. So I'm guessing we're gonna see this again in some form. All right, next one, you might've seen this. We actually didn't talk about this last week. I think originally this came out in December, but if you open up the uh, the attachment uploader, um, if you click on the plus sign to add an attachment, you'll see this pop up saying starting January 31st, Facebook and web search will no longer be available as options to upload attachments, um, which is very frustrating. And they, I believe they pulled it back in December after some initial pushback, but it looks like it's it's back again. <clears throat> And that's a pretty short deadline as well.
3: Yeah, I, yeah it, it is. I am wondering, because Facebook specifically was called out and it's not and box and Dropbox and drive, I think it's it might be something specific to Facebook in their API. Maybe they did what um, Twitter slash X did and said, or was it Reddit? One of those where like your interactions with the API now come with a, a cost associated and how many people are storing files on Facebook um, as opposed to any of these other services that we can see here that are specifically designed to, to um, hold files. Facebook specifically doesn't bother me so much for those reasons, and, it, and that's just pure conjecture. But web search was really useful. Yeah. And that, that one, why? What's up with that? Right? My guess is...
1: It's, my guess is you're pulling in data that you don't necessarily own, whereas like the others, Box, Dropbox, in theory, like those are already residing in your environment. Mm -hmm. So that's my guess is it's some kind of IP, maybe they've gotten too many claims for pulling in
3: unowned files. It'd be great if there were there are certain um, stock image um, websites that do allow access for free. Of course, if you make attributions to, you know, who took the photo or if it's like a a graphic of some sort, who designed it. Um, it'd be great if you could use that in place, and the file name always includes who um, who made it, so you always have that attribution as like a replacement for this. Cause otherwise um, they still have specific web URL, right? That's the second option down. So
1: that Yeah. And I believe the original message removed that one as well. Okay. Am I remembering that correctly? I don't know. It wouldn't
3: surprise me because you can circumvent the web search by right. opening up your, your uh, search engine of choice, finding the image, right-clicking and saying you know, copy link address and then going back in here. So it just adds an extra step um, and wouldn't necessarily solve the problem if that's what they were trying to avoid. But then you could add an extra step and download it and upload it to your drive or to your Dropbox or anything that's remaining and then import it. Now that's annoying and silly, but you could do it. So, you know. And you can actually, if I remember correctly,
1: because I remember... People, A lot of people were saying, how does that impact the API? Because the API, you have to provide a URL. And so I think it was because they took away the, the URL link option. And uh, so it looks like they're at least leaving that one for now, so that was good. Another trick you can do is if you just click browse files, if you have the URL copied, you can just paste the URL into your your search bar or where, where you're looking for files and it should just download it and then upload it into there. So you, you don't have to like download it separately and then upload it. Hmm. Um, you can kind of do it all in one. That's a little hack I've used in the past.
0: Excellent.
1: So yeah, this is, this is frustrating. I use the web search all the time when I just want to just insert images and stuff into data. <clears throat>
2: Yep. Same. All
1: right. Let's go. Next one. This was another bug, um, Ben, uh, highlighted if you're running into this. So this is on interfaces. The selected interface is not available. It looks like, um, the search functionality is only pulling the underlying tables, keys field rather than the interface key field. Also that button in the record detail page for linking are showing an error for the selected interface is not available. And it looks like it's been escalated. So if you're seeing this bug, hopefully there's a fix coming soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, a few more, this was uh, from Reddit. This was interesting. This is just kind of more in the, in the ecosystem of, of database systems. According to this and this article, it looks like, I don't know if you remember, how long ago was it? Two years ago, Google launched a, a, a competitor to Airtable called Google Tables. Mm-hmm. And it looked like they were moving it, they were progressing it out of their, their beta, but it looks like they're now just merging it into AppSheet, which is an app builder from that Google acquired. And um, so it looks like starting in it's i don't know maybe this is confusing Uh, maybe just app sheets was leveraging it because this actually says june of 23 so i don't remember any any chatter of this i thought that tables was still moving forward at that point so oh it says we will continue here it is and Will continue to maintain Tables, but will not be adding new features to the product, so it won't be a standalone.
3: Yeah, and they say to consider alternatives, including AppSheet. Or so, Sheets, yeah, yeah. I think they're like using lessons learned from Tables to improve AppSheet, I suppose. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, interesting. So, anyways, if that was something, you know, I was kind of optimistic that Google might. Be able to provide a solution they, they, they supported a ton more data as far as records um so that was promising but it looks like it lost momentum so sorry for anybody that, that adopted google tables
3: yeah i rem- I remember when it sort of came out and we were talking about it and jotform's uh solution and and zapier made one as yeah. well it was crazy it was like <laughs> everyone had their own sort of alternative um, and I think those other ones are still um, active or at least actively being developed upon um, but this there's a lot of Google products that have been discontinued and so this just sort yeah. of follows that pattern
1: yeah 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 for sure so I guess this was updated in December, so it is relatively new. Insights. All right, one more coming from the table forums community. Check that out if you're if you're not watching there. Um, this was posted while we were on break. I wanted to to kind of highlight it. It's always um, a basically looking. This is a good analysis of trying to find a script that would help you do like a. a Double matching um, of um, let's see. So you have a selection table that's linked to two other tables called fruits and veggies, and you want to combine one fruit with one veggie. So this is just basically looking through the process of of how to create a script, and Scott shares a couple of scripts from the uh, Airtable library. And then also highlights Camille's junction Assistant that could potentially help.
3: In theory. So I think, and I think she, uh, or this person caught it as well. Um, My extension is cool and all, but I don't necessarily think it meets the criteria that they're looking for. Um, Junction assistant is more like, you know, which, um, junctions that you want to create and you're doing it manually. Um, If you wanted a more automated solution, like this fruit should be linked to this color based on some property that Airtable can see. So it would be predictable. Then there are more automated solutions like a a custom script of some sort that would get to that solution faster.
1: And Kavan also apparently wrote her own script here. That, uh, that can kind of do that for you. She said she typed this up on her phone, so that's Kavon <laughs> for you.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's, at some point, I just sort of assume whatever Kavan has written is the clear and present answer.
1: <laughs> Very good. So yeah, there's some, uh, just, it's not full script, it's just more kind of how you might go about it. So if anybody's looking for a script on that, that's a good, uh, head start on that front. Very good. That uh, is kind of a little bit quiet now that we're back into our weekly cadence of uh, of news. Unless anybody else saw anything else highlighted this week.
3: Friendly reminder that your API keys are going to stop working. I was about to yeah. say the same thing. Switch them out. Personal That's access
1: right. tokens. That's right. We're actually at Onto Air uh, going through and like, oh, there's still a lot of people using API keys. (laughs) So we
3: I couldn't find a good, I I wish I did more documentation when I was setting up some old systems that said where my API key was being used. Um, Personal access tokens are good because they'll show you what bases are attached to that access token. And sometimes you might've said everything, which isn't particularly helpful in terms of tracking, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's used in these make scenarios. It's used in this uh, REST API call, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. um, as you're switching out your API keys for personal access tokens, consider writing some of the stuff down. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fully expecting things to break on my end February 1st and we'll update at that point so yeah mike i don't know if you're dealing with that issue as well
4: no luckily we we developed things so slowly that we we kind of were not far along enough that we had to deal with a big issue they sort of announced it and we were one of the first probably to actually implement the oauth tokens so yeah yeah we got lucky
1: very good All right, let's move on. Shout out to Onto Air Backups. If you are running your business on Airtable, best practice is to make sure your data is stored outside of Airtable. Onto Air Backups solves that problem, helps you back up to Dropbox, Box, or Google Drive. It backs up all your data and your attachments. And now we also back up your meta information, your schema, your field, uh, your formula information, and your views and um, so check that out. That's what we're highlighting this month is our our new feature of um, being able to back up your data as well as inspect your meta information. So there's now a new interface that allows you to inspect what your meta information looks like, all your tables and everything. And as you back up, you can actually download a previous version so you can see what, what your meta information looked like a month ago. And things like that. So start backing up your data. Use code on AIR to get a discount and uh, check it out at ontoair.com. All right. Let's learn more about Mr. Mike.
2: Awesome. Mike, welcome to the show. My pleasure. Excellent. I'm super looking forward to learning more about AeroPage and the story behind it. I was at DareTable this past year. And so were Dan and Camille. And it was really the talk of the conference. Like people were talking about it for like, days. It was awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know Nicole gave a big presentation and AeroPage was really like the central um, driver behind it, which was such a cool product. Um, So first, thank you for that. Um, And Second, I'm wondering how you got your start in the low-code, no-code space. Um, was it Airtable you started with?
4: Um, actually, I mean, I, I used to work in architecture. Like, I, I, I did architecture at university and I dropped out. And then I, I worked for, like, 15 years in, like, IT support specifically for architecture software and studios. And in that, I worked with SharePoint a bit, um, you know, Microsoft SharePoint and the SharePoint uh, designer, I think 2007 version, I was using quite heavily to build an intranet, to build like document portals for the architecture studio and stuff like that. And that's where I distinctly remember having a moment, you know, one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, the data grid view of the SharePoint interface was saving me so much time doing things. It was, you know, it was a database, but it felt like a spreadsheet. And that was like in the, you know, 2000s. Um, It was almost another 10 years maybe until I discovered Airtable. Mm -hmm. And at that time, um, you know, I'd already been, like, I hired a developer pretty early on when I got bored of not bored, but I just started to hate life doing IT support. And I was the only person who wasn't really allowed to be out of the office. I had to be there to you know fix servers and fix computers. And um, so I, yeah, I, I kind of discovered Airtable um, because. I'd already started getting a developer to try and build something like Airtable. I was like, oh, I've got all this stuff in Google Sheets and CSVs. Can you just make something that lets me easily link one sheet to another on a primary column? And, you know, I sort of understood the the principles of databases. And then I just found Airtable one day and was like, oh, wow, okay. I thought I'd had... Some genius novel idea, and I'm about six years behind um, Howie or the, the guy who initiated Airtable. So, yeah, I was I was definitely um, straight onto that. I'd been kind of waiting f- for that moment for ten years, I guess, since I saw the the SharePoint thing, and um, and I immediately started trying to get my WordPress backend to speak to Airtable, to, to replace, um, I mean, anyone who's, who's tried to build with WordPress because, you know, WordPress is supposed to be no code. Y- you can't, you can't get much done without either some code or going into your database, like going into MySQL, which is like 1990s tech and PHP, MyAdmin, which is like just mind-blowingly old-fashioned and confusing and complex and you can destroy your database so easily and then that versus Airtable was just like oh my god I can see everything I can I can crud things <laughs> I can, I can uh, yeah it was it was just on another level and I was hooked but for me it's always been for that purpose like oh I I, I want a back end but my um front end is websites and web interfaces and that's always been my goal and I've been pretty much just single-mindedly trying to get towards my dream product um since then and you know <laughs> that, that's where like the the story gets a bit convoluted there I, I don't have time to go through every step and you know you didn't really ask so I'll, I'll just pull it up there.
2: Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, that was gonna be kind of my next question. Is I know we had you on the show a few years ago to talk about that WordPress plugin, Air Connects. Um and how did you move from that to the idea for AeroPage?
4: Um, so the idea for AeroPage was always there. It was the execution that you know, I, I needed I needed something that felt like a million dollar product and my budget was like, whatever, whatever savings I had, um, that, you know, my girlfriend now wife would, would allow me to commit. And, you know, I, I hire younger developers, you know, because I'm never, I'm never quite sure what I want. I'm changing things all the time. I'm a terrible client and it's really, You know, it's a time sync kind of thing. Uh, uh, It's a lot of experimentation. And and so at first I was just experimenting myself and trying to code and being terrible at it, but building a foundation of understanding, learning how to speak to developers, how to communicate ideas to them, kind of teaching myself how to be what I later realized is actually a job of like being a product designer or a product manager. But at the time I was just like, I want something. And, you know, what are the steps each day to, to get there? And I mean, how the actual product managed to get from what you saw three or more years ago to where it is now is pure luck, basically <laughs> just absolute, absolute from the heavens um luck which is that from either that podcast or uh, Chris Dancy's um conference a few years ago which I also had a disastrous demo at but you know it's like that's how it goes uh we got an influx of web traffic and eventually I just got a contact form message from um you know an email domain that caught my attention. And it was somebody inquiring about like, oh, the product looks amazing. It's, it's probably what we need. How far along are you with development? And I was brutally honest. I said, look, uh, uh, not far. Um, you know, I don't have funds. We, we, maybe we can work something out. And they sort of said like, look, if you in the next three months, if you can pull something together, that's pretty impressive we're not going to leave you hanging we'll i you know, will work with you on it and and will be your first enterprise subscriber oh, and yeah i mean that was
3: you that started was, with enterprise
4: uh yeah yeah that's that's the crazy crazy <laughs> okay. thing i started with enterprise i pretty much started with the client and then hired the team and then and then built the product um and that you know that that really is just like luck and um meeting awesome people by pure chance and working really really hard and uh and managing also to get lucky hiring some really good kids kids in in poland who are super super talented and don't cost that much and you know that's that's pretty much where we've been at for the last few years And we've just been working away, reinvesting absolutely everything into the product. And everyone kind of looking at me like, when's this going to be finished? And when are you going to start charging some money for it? And um, the answer is like, very, very soon. It's been that all along, but it's really, really soon now. Like in the next month, quite possibly, the main product will be finished. Um, So you mentioned before about like, Nicole, uh, talking about AeroPage, AeroPage is more like a brand and a domain name and, 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 you know, a concept of a company, but the tools that we put out were just sort of appetizers for little things that we could get out in the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, the end product is a full kind of suite that includes those tools, but it also includes the ability to you know build, really nice looking landing pages, really interactive UX, and really heavily connected to external data. But you know, ninety percent Airtable right now. We built it for Airtable. So you know, if I had to, if I had to characterize it, it'd be like, um, like yeah. Webflow if it were married to bubble and had an affair with <laughs> I do trying to make that up on the fly there. It's it's a little bit of a lot of things that I like about other no-code systems that um you know have kind of been bundled together and yeah worked on a lot. Very cool.
2: That's super exciting. There's there's some really really great um like notably i've used and i've had clients use the pixel tracker that you've got for um the emails um and then the image generation that's super cool and it all works super simply and i've really appreciated it it's like saved me with you know really n- not niche solutions but it's something where it's like oh does somebody out there actually do that oh aero page does which is awesome um super excited um and also really excited to learn more about it. And I think you have a demo for us, which I can't wait to check out.
1: Yeah, let me let me move on. So, yeah, so, Mike, you're going to show us Arrow Page and some new stuff that you're working on. So if you want to share your screen, we can dive into that. There it is. If you want to move over to Arrow Page. We can, I can Okay, see. you can see
4: my screen now? Yep. All right. So this is the AeroPage Builder. Um, this is the main product that we have been working on for years. And nestled in here are the free tools. So these are kind of standalone tools where you can create your own APIs that speak to your data to generate emails, documents, images, sync uh, or create Stripe product IDs and payment links and stuff like that. But the new stuff here is um, the ability to create pages in public uh, paths or portals, basically. So that's what the UI looks like. This is a published project in preview mode. So when you publish your projects, you can kind of see them, how they would look for a user. And if I gave you this URL, you could go and visit this page and have a look at it. It's you know right here. There's not a lot of uh, data stuff happening. This is just more of a indication of you can get your landing pages done on this platform as well. You don't have to have WordPress for your front end and this for your backend or your portals. Um, you know, it's intended to really be a one-stop solution. If we go over to projects here, then we're gonna see more data type stuff happening. So I've got a simple filter at the top. Um, this data is coming from Airtable. Of course, I've left this open while I've been sitting here. and Something's bugged out while I've been talking to you, but yes. yeah. Um, this is coming from Airtable and, you know, it's just pretty much the Airtable data presented on a web page. This is all, um, you know, like I, I know it looks similar to a lot of solutions out there and you can get stuff like this done easily. But what you're seeing here is really, they're not like blocks of code that you can just pick a few things to customize I build all of the content using the no like using the arrow page builder these are just pre-constructed blocks that you can deconstruct and customize any way that you want um, and everything's done without code so this is a dynamic page that would be, you know, the equivalent of clicking here, you know, choosing one record from that, um, from that table that we were just looking at. So you can map in variables, you can mix it with static content, and you can have images. All of these effects um, are no-code custom-coded, I suppose you might say. Mm-hmm. This gallery as well you know, you can infinitely build and customize. We're really giving you like the fundamental um, components of developing, uh, but without the code. So I'll jump over to another little demo here. So this is the same project, but this is a client portal. Um, So it's connected to the same data, but presented in a different way for a different purpose. So in this case, we would log in as one of the clients. And this again is where um, we differ. You know, It's not really just that Airtable clone or it's not an Airtable clone. We use Airtable as a database. So you have your users as records in Airtable. They're not Airtable users, so they don't take up Airtable licenses, um, very importantly. So you can have a hundred people uh, hundred users for your portal and it's not going to cost you any more. Um, you can build out these dashboards as well. Like what you see on the left here is, is constructed. It's not a singular block of code that you can just pick a color for. Um, it's all pieced together using components and actions and, and logic. So if I click on Sunset Boulevard here, what's happening is I've got it configured to set that as the active record. And then we can see data from sunset Boulevard. We're also making a dynamic query on some linked tables here. So the link table on the right is coming from the documents field. So it's looking up the documents table, um, filtered to that particular property. And then down here for our gallery, we're doing the same thing, looking up a gallery table. If I go back and everything goes according to plan, which it has this time, um, you'll see that if I switch to a different record, is dynamically filtering those same, um, those same frames or queries so that if I choose a project that doesn't have documents, uh, we're not seeing any documents there. So that's, um, that's it for that example here. I'm going to show you a little bit more on the logic side. So we have a very robust conditional system. So this is a fitness website. Um, You can come and you can choose a class and it's not specifically a fitness website. I wouldn't say this is like the name of the base that I use here is events and attendance. This is, like an attendance management system for any kind of event that somebody should enroll themselves in and happens at a certain time and has a presenter. So in this case, we're doing gym classes. So if I'm just visiting this as a a guest or as a user, I can pick a class and go to that class. And we're going to see an interface that is Pretty much the same layout as the other one, just because I built all of this stuff in the last five or six days. Um, So we can see again, this data is coming through from the classes or the events in this case. Uh, We can see some information about who's hosting the event or teaching the class. But the key part here is the join class. Okay, so if I click on that and I am not logged in, it's going to conditionally ask me to log in. If I click on log in here, uh, because we're in preview mode, I'm not gonna actually log in. I can just choose a member who I've pre-configured to allow in preview mode. Now we can see that member's data. And again, this is somebody who exists as a record in the base. So if Josh wants to attend this class, he can just click there. It's gonna send an update to Airtable that's going to add Josh's um record to the linked table on or the linked field for attendees on strength training. Uh, was that strength training? Okay. Is something going wrong here? Quite possibly. <laughs> it was all working. It was added,
3: I think it was added if you look at the um history.
4: Yeah, I think maybe that's me testing it earlier. But let's um, yeah, let's reload this page and see if we can get it to work because it was all working flawlessly a few minutes ago. (laughs) It's just the the classic. Um, So I'll try that again. It could be. Let me reload Airtable actually. Maybe I'll try and shift the blame onto Airtable. Yeah. Because that, (laughs) let's have a look here. Oh, there's Josh. Okay. It was Airtable, (laughs) everyone.
3: (laughs) I see that the website has now updated its interface to say you have joined the class.
0: Yeah.
4: That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do a lot of conditional stuff. It's not just conditional visibility, it's conditional styles, like the whole um, editing interface enters a conditional state. So you can create conditions. Once that condition is applied, you can change absolutely anything and it will adopt that state when that condition is true. So to design I love this,
3: that. I, yeah. I see in a lot of different editors, conditions are handled component by component. And certain ones, there's almost always some type of container component in, in all of these different apps. You could put them inside of what in HTML would be a div. Um, and you could set conditions on that container, but you still have to do it. In this case, right, you have a nav bar on the side that might be its own set of conditions. Your gallery on the right, and that might be its own set of conditions. I love global conditions. Uh, put your app in a, in a state you were either logged in or you're not, or you're either attending this event or or you're not. And adjust everything that needs to change in one go. I think that's very smart.
4: I love that you love that because that was an absolute nightmare. To, to
3: I'm the, sure yeah, it was. Yeah, no one else point. does it.
4: <laughs> right, right. That's exactly, you know, that that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do all the things that, that people would want that don't make financial sense for a company to actually develop. It's you know the opposite of MVP principle. We're going for absolutely, um, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. Um, so yeah, you're correct uh, in that everything is wrapped in conditional states and you can apply it to also create mobile views based on those same conditions. So thought I'd just throw that in there. So yeah, we've got that and then if we click on um, the same button again. This time it says, I want to cancel my enrollment. And if we jump over, yeah, so Josh just disappeared there. Um, so that's uh, that's the attendee side of that system. And again, we've got another portal here for the other side of things, which is the, the teacher. Um, so Pump Master Garcia is logged in. He teaches a body pump class at this particular gym. And he wants to let everyone know he's not feeling so good today. Um, He can see who has enrolled in the class, but he can also click here. Um, This, again, is all, like, custom coded, uh, not coded, custom no coded, let's say. And you you can make this work however you want, but... um, Hey guys, I'm sick. No class. Uh, so he can send that and that is going to hit, um, hit air table as a new message linked to the event that we were just looking at and also linked to uh pump master Garcia because Sorry, not links. He's the teacher of that class. So we've got sort of a double lookup happening there. And then I've got an automation happening that is going to send an email when that message arrives. And then it'll arrive in my mailbox with the, you know, this might look familiar. This is the error page tool that we made the dynamic email tool. So in my automation, I do an extra step where I run a script. If you hit
3: run history at the top, you'll be able to click on run a script if you wanted to show it.
4: Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) I was starting to panic a bit there. Um, So yeah, I've just got an extra step, right? Run a script and that runs a script, which you can, you don't have to write this script. You just configure it and copy paste. And then when we send the email, we just put in the output from that script. So this uses an API to call your project on aero page. Um, So it's like, you can make your own APIs in your project that can send out the HTML for an email to Airtable and then that sends it to you. Um, So that's that's that project, (laughs) I'll I'll try and move. I'm not sure how much time I'm supposed to take. Yeah,
1: maybe one more.
4: Yeah, one more, okay. This one should be quick. So this is just a one-page um, website. Of course, it looks nice, but we've got this make booking um, pop-up here, and here I've got uh, I've gotten a bit clever with the Airtable side. So I've created a um, a full year of dates, and then I've filtered them down to create a view that's like the next twenty days. Uh, no weekends, so business days only. And I've done a lookup or a few roll ups to identify which days are at max capacity and can't be booked. So if you look there, um, the 22nd is fully booked. So if you click on that, you get, sorry, this date's booked. If we go to the 19th, then we're going to see the time slots. If we go to 11. We're going to see that three of these stylists are unavailable at that exact time. And right there, I've got, uh, I, I don't know if anyone is using this technique. I don't know if it's a technique, but I kind of hacked this together specifically for this um, to identify when somebody is booked on both the date and the time without really having to individually link to each one we we combine their record IDs and then we do a filter using that um, so I, i've created a time slot uid that is that is based on uh, the date and the time anyway <laughs> that's 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 pretty much it if you go through here um, again you know you click on somebody who's fully booked and it tells you that you can't book them. If you click on somebody who's available, it'll take you to confirm the booking. And then when we submit that, that's going to go through and create a new record for that booking. And that is a booking system. In the next 10 seconds, I'm just going to show you another little cool thing. I used to print t-shirts when I was like in my twenties on eBay and I just designed this up and I generated all these with mid journey. So I can't take any credit for that, but they look great. And that's it. Sorry it took so long guys. No, you're good. Yeah, so this is an extremely powerful
1: page builder um, that does all the things that that you wish that you need. So very cool. Yeah, I mean, everybody that's used it loves it. I've heard amazing reviews from everybody. So I know you've been busy on this for years and uh, optimistic to see what the future holds for you. <laughs> so Thank you for sharing that with us. All right, let's move on. Real quick shout out to join the community at Built On Air. Learn more about all these great products that people are building in the Airtable world. Join us at builtonair.com slash join. That will get you into our Slack community of thousands of users. Also subscribe to our to our podcast, our YouTube channel, and join the community. Let's wrap up with Camille and e-signatures. There you go.
3: All right. So this is um, sort of brought about by, I want to say last month or the month before friend of the show, uh, Scott asked, what are some PDF or contract signing tools that people are using and Many different answers were given. One of them was uh, called eSignatures.io. And recently he was like, oh, this is so great. And I thought, let's demo it. So um, very simple setup in Airtable. This is a contract which is linked to a client. The client has certain informat- information attached to them like their email address, which in this case is all that matters. Um, but Hopefully next week I can show a continuation of this process. We'll be billing a client via Stripe. But right now we only need their email address. In this case, it's Dan. Dan, you may get an email um, at the end of this demo. Great. But I have this fake contract with a bunch of uh, text that explains what I'm going to be doing. And then some tasks associated with it. So imagine you have some rate that you want to charge your clients by Um, The number of hours associated with each task. Uh, There's a couple of different ways to do it. But at the end of the day, what you want to be able to do is click a button that sends Dan an email that says, can you sign this contract that has information coming from your Airtable record? Using eSignatures.io, it's pretty simple. There are two automations that make this possible. The first sends the uh, contract, and the second waits for the contract to be signed and then attaches it back to Airtable here. So for the first automation, I used N8N, which is a make alternative, and the second automation is done strictly within Airtable. the first automation is when a button is clicked, that was the send service agreement button. Um, and then there's this arbitrary gate uh, because I don't actually use this um, in practice, only do this is if it's a test project so I don't accidentally uh, bill or send random contracts to people I've already delivered things for. Um, similar to uh, the previous demo, the actual script is pretty basic, it's just, Um, looking for a particular webhook ID and then passing it my Airtable record ID. The actual automation in NAN can get a little bit complicated depending on how you want the um, contract to look once it's sent out. What I like about um, eSignatures.io is that it looks, it's so bare bones, it's, a very simplistic sort of look to it Um, but it looks great on both uh, full screen on your laptop but also mobile and I have a template set up called a consulting agreement with some static information I am always called chameleon or apps so that's typed in directly but the client is gonna change for each new contract so People may be familiar with handlebars, which is a templating language. You wrap a sort of placeholder around um, inside of double curly braces. And that's what these are. They are helpfully highlighted. Um, Some information that, again, is always there. And then the tasks table is a placeholder for a whole table I'm going to insert based on those tasks. Um, something that is nice about eSignatures.io is that when you put a placeholder in here, it could be basically anything inside of it. If I had another template, I could insert the template here, uh, which might be useful if you have several similar contracts, but things change depending on if your client is billed by the hour or billed um, by total project value, for instance. You could have one template that has all of this stuff that doesn't change um, or that is consistent across both. And then one uh, placeholder for the things that differ for, is it a uh, per contract or is it by hour? Um, And then you could see uh, sort of a preview of what the table might look like uh, with this static table in here again, with more placeholders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, this is, again, a very simple example where only one field is required of uh, the user. Uh, Just saying, yes, I acknowledge these terms and conditions that must be checked in order for it to be, uh, be able to be signed. So for anything that requires user input, you can identify whether every person needs to sign it, only the first person or the last person. So when you're thinking about your automation that sends the uh, agreement, you wanna consider whether or not you, in this case, me, if I need to sign it, in this case, no. But if it's something where both parties need to sign it, consider who who is supposed to sign it first and then attribute your fields accordingly. Um, And then sometimes you might not need it to be signed, um, but you can uh, make things mandatory. Um, And that's about it. Uh, I'm going to go back to NNN and just sort of explain what's happening. First, I'm getting the contract, which is the one I click the button on. Then I'm getting all the tasks that are linked to it. Nothing special. This is what's doing all of the heavy lifting. This is going to look like a lot of JavaScript, but it's um, it's pretty, uh, You, I think most people will, will sort of get the pattern I'm getting at, except for the table, which is the more complicated bit. So um, when you are passing information to esignatures.io, there's a couple of in, uh, things that you should pass. A... Who are the signers? So in this case, Dan. So from my uh, previous two steps, when I'm getting information about the uh, contract and the tasks, I'm pulling in the client's contact name, their organization name and their email and passing it as a variable called signers. Um, It's an array because you can have multiple signers. The next is placeholder fields. So if I didn't have any placeholders, I wouldn't need to pass this, but I have several. I have what's the date, what's the project name, et cetera. So for each one of those placeholders that I have here, client name and date and project name, et cetera, those are here and I'm just passing again from the contract, the relevant Airtable field. The more complicated bit is task table, because again, it's a table, it's not just passing text in, Um, but you can do what's called document elements. So basically anything that you could place on a document can be placed inside of a variable. In this case, the type is a table and then tables have an array of table cells. So um, for each of my three columns, uh, interpret the appropriate information from the tasks. All right, so with that explained, I'm gonna hit this button and we're going to, let see, oh. I pressed it twice, so Dan, you might get two emails. All right. um, and while that's happening, because I'm sharing my screen, I can go back to my dashboard now that it's been sent. Yeah, I clicked it twice, so there's two. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go on the more recent one, and then I can do view, so you can see what Dan would be seeing. Um, actually, no, hold on. That was from yesterday. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Demos. Yeah. Um, yeah, I not right. Darn it. All right, I saw the thing go, run history. It said it ran successfully, and it did run twice.
1: Was the status, yeah, it ran.
3: Um, and this is on, and it end. You failed. What did I do? Oh, no. Oh, no. All right, I messed up. Right there. JSON is bad. So I I wanted to test having each uh, task be its own separate checkbox. Um, Aha. There's this hidden. That was my bad. Uh, I set this up weird, (laughs) is basically what happened. I wanted to try two different layouts and then I didn't go back and clean it up afterwards. So I'm gonna hit this again. Dan, you should now get one because I only uh, clicked it once. And then back in my dashboard, yep, here it is. Since I fixed that um, issue, you can see that Dan Fellers should have gotten a contract that looks like this. Here's that table that was being dynamically generated for each of my tasks, but each of the, the more simple information coming in, client name, date, et cetera, got filled in as one might expect. So Dan should have this email um, and whenever he signs it, we should see it pop back in to Airtable here. Um that is, if Dan wants to sign a contract. <laughs>
1: signed. There we go. Um,
3: this is in demo mode. So we should see on the estimate agreement when it comes in. Um, and it just did uh, that there will be a demo uh, text up at the top. I will note one of the major selling points for e is their pricing structure. It costs 99 cents per contract signed. There's no um, monthly or annual fee. It is purely on volume basis, $1, slightly less than $1. Um, so it's very affordable for a lot of different use cases. If you're sending uh, a torrent of of contracts daily. Perhaps this isn't a great pricing structure for you, but I found that most people don't necessarily need that many contracts such that um, this pricing structure would be prohibitive. So I can scroll through this uh, Nifty PDF, which looks exactly the same. Um, You can uh, put page breaks in your templates, which is why Terms starts on its own page, something I really like. Scrolling down, then I get signatures If I made it so that I need to sign it as well, I would have gotten an email and would have asked me to sign as well. And then there's an audit trail at the end. So all of the events that led to this contract being signed. And that's about it. I will just flash this on screen. The automation that placed the PDF onto the record, um, Airtables when a webhook is received in... um, Your settings for eSignatures.io. is a field for uh, your webhook uh, URL, which you can also dynamically set per contract. But if you have a generic one that should handle all contracts, you would use that one. And then this script is just taking the uh, metadata field and turning it into an object. Um, e-signatures.io expects text as your metadata. So I'm extracting out the bits that I want. In this case, that would be the contract ID and the client ID. And then I'm making sure that I have that information. So I'm not trying to link to a record that doesn't exist anymore. And then I'm uh, plopping it in. Uh, attached to your WebHawk, webhook response will be the URL to that PDF. And that's why it ended up here.
1: Very cool, It's super powerful. Very awesome. Great. Thank you, Camille, for sharing that. And thank you everyone for joining us. That's today's show. Mike, thank you for coming on and um, we'll we'll get you on uh, in another three years. See where you're at. Very good. Well, we'll see everybody next week on next week's show. Have a good week. Take care.
2: Bye.
4: Bye Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, Onto Air Backups, automated backups for Airtable. We'll see you next time on the Built On Air podcast.